Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 42. Now, whether you make products or content, having good photos of your work is essential. And we've already talked about video basics, and today we're going to be talking about photography basics. We're going to cover entry-level gear how to set up your shots, some things to think about once you're doing that, and how to edit them on the back end. But before we get into it, we want to thank the new members that joined the MFP Patron Tribe this week. Uh, We did have a couple weeks here, so we've had a few more people join in. Caleb Harris from You Can Make This Too, uh, Mike from Modustrial Maker, Johnny Trombukas, who we had a pleasure to meet in New York City, we'll talk about in a minute, Uh, Mark Thomas, Ian Liggett, Tim Mills, and Eric Cochran. Thank you so much, guys, for joining over there. If you'd like to be part of the Patreon tribe, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit, and you can take advantage of all the benefits like the after show and some other great things that are going on. So go check that out if you are interested. John, what is up, my man? Not much, dude. I'm excited to get back to recording. It's always fun to to get back behind the mic after we get to meet some of our patrons and some of our listeners like we did last week at Home Depot. So I'm super excited. This is a topic that we also get a lot of questions on too. So uh should be a pretty good episode. As far as um as far as me, you know, I'm just over here grinding it out. Um I hired an <laughs> <Per> ass- usual. <laughs> I hired an assistant. So I'm working through yes. that process, getting her up to speed. It's been fantastic actually. Um and she's off I'm offloading a lot of the things that go into the um the BS of day to day on her. And she's been absolutely crushing it. And we're creating processes together to manage all that. So that's been great. Um, but unfortunately, it's taken a little time away from the content creation side of things as as that's where my spare time's been going. So I uh I gotta get that all cleared up so I can get back to producing videos and whatnot. But besides that, man, I'm 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 doing good. I'm doing good. How about yourself? I know you've got a you got a few new things in the docket. Basically based around almond consumption, I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm getting into some clean eating, man. My actual my my diet Mountain Dew intake has gone down. And I know uh, you're probably glad of that because uh, yeah, that's all I talk about. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm pounding water, doing some clean eating. You know, lean meats and almonds and cucumbers is what's on my desk right now. So. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm supporting my wife who, who she's just wanting to get into better eating plans too. So we'll, we'll see how long that lasts. But for right now, it's going great. This is day two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, day two. Yeah. But, uh, dude, I had, had a blast in New York City up at the Home Depot event. Uh, it was awesome to uh, get to hang out with all the different creators that we, uh, seem like we just hang out with all the time, uh, now, but, it was fun to see the new tools, and uh, part of that is is the meetup, which was great. We did get to see some of our patrons up there and meet some of those folks, which was was awesome. So, uh, big shout out to our homeboy Jose, who yeah. is the hardest working man in Brooklyn, uh, probably New York, and possibly the United States. Yeah, Jose so, is a monster. Massive shout out to Jose from Triple J Customs. Uh, but yeah, I'm working on a couple videos right now, coming off the heels of that, 
And uh, that dresser build I talked about, so I'm going to split that up. I'm going to have a how to make drawers, uh, so a kind of simple method that I use to make drawers. So that'll come out, uh, have come out right before this one launches. And uh, then the next one after that will be the actual dresser build. So my daughter is juiced. She's uh, I'm starting to fill out her bedroom. I already did the bed for her and now the dresser. And so and then I'll probably do like, a, you know, a makeup table or something like a changing table for her, whatever. Not changing table. That's for babies. What is a I don't know dress up table, whatever you want to call it for babies, <laughs> for, for babies. She is no longer a baby. No, she kids. is not. She is. Uh, yeah, she is sassy. She is quite adorable uh, and <laughs> has quite the personality too. She hops yes. on our Skype calls. She comes on the Skype every, yeah, every, every, every now She's and then. She's the least shy, I would say of your kids. <laughs> yeah, that is probably correct. That is probably correct. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this too, because we do get a ton of questions and I think photography is something that uh, whether you're in content or in product, uh, I you know I would position to say that photography is more important in product because um, you know that's how you communicate your business and online. And so I think this will be cool talking about it from both sides of the spectrum uh, and not so much the video that we talked about before. So why don't you get us started, Johnny? Like you know, what, we'll start with the basics and then kind of go through. But uh, I think. A lot of folks out there that we talk to, you know, we get the questions all the time on on Instagram DMs and things like that of like, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to get. I've just got a cell phone. And so, what, you know, let's hit it straight up. Like, OK, if you've got a cell phone, uh, here's what you can do to start. So take it away, man. Yeah. So the cell phones nowadays, as compared to even like two to three years ago, are absurdly powerful um, so little machines. The only issues or variability aspects that aren't going to exist for you are going to be things like Zoom. They're going to be, uh, you know, pretty much a standard focal range, which is going to be the amount of light coming in, as well as like the size of uh, the depth of, excuse me, not the size, the depth of field. So you're going to have like pretty standard features on there, but that doesn't mean that you can't shoot and produce high quality photography. Um, for instance, the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 10 and the 8 plus i believe were all just rocking these sick cameras um compared to the, the 7 um and the 7 plus and with those comes a lot of options inside the actual camera itself um that you can change like the lighting spectrum and like the tints natively on the camera so what happens in a dslr or a or a like a, a camera for photography is you can adjust tons of features and that's pretty much the upsell to these cameras is that you can go in and adjust all of the lighting. You can adjust tons of settings and you can really like narrow in on the look you're looking for, as well as the, um, the quality of certain aspects of the photograph. And there's a lot of options on phones specifically for this as well. Now I'm not an expert in that because I don't use my phone, uh, that frequently for photos, uh, in that sense. Like I'm more of a run and gun with the camera kind of guy, but that doesn't mean that you can't use the camera uh, to produce high quality video and photo. Um, I, I believe actually Peter McKinnon just did a video solely on his phone yes. and it was killer. So we'll make sure we have a link to that in the show notes at madeforprofit.com for you guys to check out because he is an incredible photographer and videographer. And if he says you can shoot on camera with, uh, excuse me, shoot on a phone, you could definitely do it. Um, yeah. So the one big and, and John, uh, the, so the, the flip side of that. So I think it's, this will also be cool that, you know, you're from the iPhone and this is why Really, John, honestly, this is why I did not 
yeah, take sure, the iPhone plunge. Sure. Because, <laughs> right, it didn't stick uh, because I've got the Android. And so I think it makes good content for the podcast. And that's that's why I didn't stay. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You're so selfless, same, Brad. You're so selfless. <laughs> for the same thing, just just real quick on that side, from an Android perspective, uh, the interesting thing. So like John said, you know, on iPhone, you're talking uh, the 8 and the 10 are uh, leaps and bounds above the rest. Um, as you get into Android, the Pixel 2 from Google is just ridiculous. It's on par with the, with the 10 from iPhone, uh, the new Samsung S9. But I'll tell you, as far back as uh, I had a Samsung Galaxy S6, and it took great photos. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like like anything. I mean, you could have, like like you said, John, anything like within the probably the past two, three years, if it's come out in the past two, three years, you're good to go. And the advantage that you get with Android, and that's honestly one of the things that I did not like about Apple and I'd forgotten about it, is that they just don't give you any ability to change settings. Mm -hmm. So in Android, you can shoot widescreen, you can shoot normal, uh, and and I've got the S8 at the moment, and it's got a pro mode. You can actually adjust white balance, ISO. You can do all those things that you can do on a pro-level camera in the phone. So in the Android system, you can go even deeper. And I'm sure there's probably apps and things that you can do that for on the iPhone as well. I know there is um, that I think even in VSCO, which we'll talk about later, but just just from the flip side. So if you've got an Android, you've got even more capability. Uh, and yeah, so I would assume that the vast majority of our folks have a cell phone in the past two or three years. So like you are you have what you need uh, to do it. And and, you know, but there's some things that you need to watch out for and set up, which is what John's about to tell you about, about lighting and all that good stuff. So specifically natural light, um, the biggest advantage that you can put into your repertoire when shooting on a phone is going to be the usage of natural light. Um, not everything looks better in natural lighting. And I mean, we all see that as if you're standing in your house and something looks great to the human eye and you pull up your camera and it looks dark or saturated or yellow, you know, the, the camera itself is going to be pulling a lot more of the elements that are in the room itself compared to what the human eye sees. The human eye is actually not that good, right? So you the the camera itself is going to have way more variables coming into it. And that's why you'll see um, you know, like a lower, lower, excuse me, a more pixelated looking photo, more yellow looking photos, but those are easily fixable things. What you need to realize is that those are just, um, products of the environment around whatever you're shooting. So my first piece of advice when you're shooting on a cell phone, if you're going to be taking the leap into more of your product shots and such is to stabilize your shot. Don't be shooting it in your hand and don't, and try to do anything you can to get the camera on its own um, sort of tripod. Now there's some great options out there and we'll also have links for these in the show notes, but like the Joby, um, system is basically made for running and gunning with any type of camera platform. And they have a little tripod you can put on your phone. And I have one, I think you have one, Brad, and it eventually, it essentially just squeezes around the, the body of your phone and you can hold it in any kind of position. And even something as simple as that, the stabilization you gain, on your camera is leaps and bounds above what you can do by hand. And I don't care how steady you think your hand is. The next option is going to be a delayed timer in that stabilization mode. So what you want to do is set up your shot on the tripod and then delay the timer for a couple seconds. Um, and that way, when you shoot, you don't get the action of you pushing that screen. You can actually shoot um, when the camera is back to being stabilized on the tripod. So there's, you take out the little bit of bounce there. Now, 
I've never actually looked into that on the iPhone, but I know there's definitely options on the Android platforms and with secondary yeah. apps. And this is kind of the this is kind of the way you want to approach it. If you're going to be shooting on your phone, you need to be taking this seriously and looking into applications that can help with um, you know, pre-shot uh, and post. And like Brad mentioned that VSCO is uh, a great app that that's out there and and we'll have some links for those too. But yeah, definitely first thing you're going to want to do is stabilize your shot. Yeah, and I, I do have one of those. And if you, you know, having a full sized tripod is is great, and you can pick up a decent tripod for probably thirty bucks. Like uh, the whole Amazon Basics line, that stuff's pretty decent. Um, and I know they have tripods there, and I believe you know an entry level one is probably maybe thirty bucks. If you don't have one of those, they're also I'm sure everybody's seen like the Gorilla Pod, uh, which is kind of like the flexible arms that goes on to the. It's just a little tripod, maybe six inches tall, and then you can wrap it around things. Um, but yeah, I, I would recommend, you know, if you're into if you're in this business, uh, may trying to make money, you should have a tripod. You should just have one. And then what John was talking about, um, that little thing that clamps around your phone, you can just it has quarter 20 threads that go right into the tripod. Uh, it's great. And so you can use that. And then also you'll be able to use that when you upgrade to a DSLR. So uh, it's it's twofold. Uh, one thing I also used to have, John, that um, I know is out there is a, I believe it's Bluetooth, uh, is a Bluetooth remote shutter. Mm-hmm. And I've used those. And so instead of ha- instead of pushing it and having to wait the two seconds, which kind of gets annoying, um, you can have the little Bluetooth remote shutter and just click that and boom, it shoots, which is great. And there's, you know, all this stuff. We'll have links to a lot of this stuff and we'll have a, a, a kit that shows everything that John and I have. But there's so much stuff we're probably not going to link to it all but there's because there's so many little gadgets and stuff that that you can get but the most important i would say at a minimum is john what you said is is just to have something to stabilize it so a camera grasp and i've seen people like diy them you know like woodworkers we love to diy stuff like you oh, get yeah a couple pieces of wood and a, and a, and a screw and a clamp and like you're done um is he so just, don't have is to he just did that is he just did an insane camera oh yeah rig, he did, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have to go buy this stuff you know you can you can make it and same thing like a tripod you know look what you have around the shop if you've got shop stands or something and you can just clamp it to it you know so you can get into this for a really low budget uh, but absolutely that's the thing and uh you know one thing that uh john you hit on at the beginning on a cell phone if you're ever pinching to zoom um, the vast majority, unless you have a, a camera that's got these two lenses, like unless uh, I think on the 10 and a couple um, have optical zooms, those are what they would call a digital zoom. And what you're doing, you're not technically zooming, you're cropping. And so if you do, I would do not do that. Get closer. So if you're on your cell phone, do not zoom unless you know that you have an optical zoom, um, which unless you have like a 10 and or something like that, uh, most cameras do not have that. So when you zoom in, let's just say you're shooting at, for easy purposes, let's say you're shooting a thousand by a thousand pixels. When you zoom, that might, all that's going to do is zoom in on that thousand by thousand. So now you're 500 by 500. And so when you blow that up and and put it in Instagram, which we say you should be shooting 1080 by 1080 at a, at a minimum, um, that's not going to look good because you're going to have bad quality. So uh, do not zoom on that. Get your camera steady and just doing that and using natural light i mean that is like that's going to up your game immediately you're going to see great advantages over handheld you know in your shop with bad lighting yeah and then your next option for stepping it up a little bit with the cell phone is going to be some man-made lighting you know get there's oh i use construction lights in my my photos in my Mm -hmm. shop and you will 
be incredibly surprised by how much uh, benefit your photos can get just by changing the angles of the light hitting it. And I didn't do that for the longest time. I mean, I was super fortunate that a, a brand sent me a, a massive telescoping job light and I just like threw it in the background of something and it looked awesome. And next thing you know, I was like, oh, I should have been doing this a while ago. But <laughs> but you want to be able to adjust the lighting. Um, lighting is one of the most important aspects of photography. And it a lot of people think that it goes... Um, you know, it's, it's difficult because after the fact is in editing, you can do so much and or if you're delivering and you're shooting on site, you know, lighting could be terrible or, uh, you know, rooms are different sizes. Like I run into this stuff all the time is I'll deliver to a client's home and, uh, you know, the, the home itself has got a very oh, narrow yeah. room and I can't shoot the full thing in there. So what you run into is, uh, is, is difficulties in that other space is if you can shoot them on site in your own shop, um, you're saving yourself the hassle of dealing with doing it in a client's home. But you can also, if you want to be shooting in the client's home, take the job site light with you. Those things are easily transportable and you could throw it in there and get a little bit more dynamic lighting into your photo. And that stuff helps. And that's whether you're using a, uh, a cell phone or a DSLR or a full body, full framed professional camera, like whatever it might be, lighting is going to be a huge, huge aspect of getting good quality photos. Um, and that's some of my, my professional buddies have taught me as well. So that's going to be the next thing I um, advise considering. Now, the type of lighting matters in this instance. A lot of the professional photography style lights that are, if you guys are familiar, seeing like huge white umbrellas on and, and those type of things, you know, they're moving to a lot of LED. And that's because uh, you get a more pure white light, which is easier to edit on the back end. Um, in the in the whiter lights, um, you can go and add toning, which is in the in the editing software to make things you know more of a blue or red or yellow or green or whatever on that RGB spectrum type stuff. But if you're using a yellow light, like if you put plugged in your standard um, sort of Edison bulb type, uh, excuse me, filament bulb in a lamp and stuck it next to your photo, you're going to see more yellowing or more of the type of light that uh, if you know, if it's a, Oh, like the hue yeah, of that light so, or yeah, whatever. Soft white. Yeah. yeah you're yeah, going to notice soft that a lot and, more. You're right. And, and that's absolutely. So the thing that you need to, the biggest thing that you want to do is, uh, is have consistent lighting. Yeah. So, you know, that's why, that's why shooting in your shop is like you nailed it, John, like shooting in your shop, like you have controlled, you know exactly what it's going to look like. So you can position uh, and set up your product how you want it. You know where the shadows are going to be, you know, where the lights are. Uh, so, yeah, building on that, John, I, I'm going to say that, uh, you know, if you're on a budget, uh, if you have whatever lighting you already have, use that. Uh, but also you can get some super cheap. Uh, like the clamp lights, you yep. know, the ones that kind of look like a, a bell Yep. and it's got the open end. It's got a clamp on one end. Those are great. And you can get those for under 10 bucks a pop. And then you put a bulb in there. Uh, you can put like a, a daylight bulb. So uh, when John talks about the natural light uh, or the bright white, um, you know, there's a thing called daylight. So if you think soft light and there's a whole spectrum of of lighting and it's the Kelvin scale and it goes from like warm light to cool light. And so think from yellow to blue um, and you can see on there, but a daylight bulb would be considered somewhere in the 5,000 Kelvin range and you can go buy those. So you could, if you went and bought a clamp light and put a uh, 5,000 Kelvin um, halogen, not a halogen um, CFL bulb in there, 
then you and you got two of those like you could really make a difference. And that's like, you know, you'd spend maybe 25 bucks. You can make a ton of difference. And, uh, you know, one thing. And so this is also probably a good time. I feel like this is this the, the standard disclaimer. Um, John and I are not experts. So all the stuff we've learned is just like been through trial and error. Mm-hmm. But and and John's got some some good buds that are professional photographers. I've talked with a bunch of people, um, you know, shout out to to Anne from Anvol Trades. She has been a big help for us and something she was talking about recently to me. And like what you were saying, John, is is two points of light and also overhead light versus side light. So the lighting is not only just how it's lit, uh, you know, how it's going to look is that you can make moods. You can make something look more dramatic uh, if you kill the overhead lights and then shine. Like imagine you're in front of a light and then you have uh, a light on either side of you to your left and your right kind of at a 45 degree angle. So it's forming a 90 degrees coming into the product. Then all of a sudden you've got a totally different dynamic. So as you move the light around in your shop, you can make shadows and definitions. So it depends upon what kind of um, view, you know, view and look you're going for. If you're going for something that's kind of really well lit and more, um, you know, hospitals, you know, not sterile, but uh, that's kind of what I do a lot. I get like super bright uh, where John, you're more on the dramatic shadowy, mm-hmm. you know, side. So, so that's something else that just by lighting and where you position them uh, that you can create that mood in your shots. Yeah, and and that's a uh, hugely valuable asset to any type of product shot. I mean, having multiple light angles, overhead doesn't always get the the proper angles, excuse me, the proper shadowing you want on a piece of furniture, for instance. So say you have like a beautiful detail in in an aspect of a table or something, and you want to show uh, the, you know, the intricacies of whatever that is. You don't want to just shine a massively, a ridiculously bright light right on that detail. Obviously, you want to get make those shadows eccentricate whatever this detail might be, and uh, use the moving the light and positioning it is definitely an easy way to get the contouring and kind of whatever visual aspects you want to pop out to work to your advantage. When I was at YouTube's Next Up, we did an entire four hour class on lighting. Um, and, and it can get ridiculously expensive as well as ridiculously complicated. And I think anything in what we're trying to do here can, but you don't, like I, like Brad said, you could buy a can light or the clamp, put a $20 bulb in it. And now you have two sources of light in your shop at all times with your overhead and in that. And then you can progress down the line to upgrading those things for a right. while. And that's I had what an, we're going to do today, right? I mean, today we're going to talk about the basics and actually we're going to have yeah. an upcoming episode. We'll talk about the upgrade. So, you know, we're what we want to make it clear in this episode is like, you don't need all this stuff. So nah. what, what can you get by with? And so that's kind of the thing. And so if you're like, oh man, like I've already been there. What's the next level? Don't worry. We're, we're going to hit you up in the, in the next episode. Yeah. So uh, moving on from lighting, you're going to want to now start to understand um, more of the dynamics of the composition and what's actually happening in the photograph itself. So to begin with, um, the term bokeh gets thrown around a ton, and that's because uh, it is one of our favorite features <laughs> in a photograph. <laughs> but that's basically when you have that nice blurry background and your uh, whatever you're shooting is in the foreground or in focus. Um, so when you're shooting, you want to be thinking of things like this. What is your focal point? You know, is the background too, uh, is there too much going on there? Once you start putting more thought into your photography, even if you're shooting on a cell phone, this is where you can really step your game up. 
What happens a lot is a lot of us will shoot things with a backdrop that's, for instance, our shop. And in that, you don't realize subconsciously the viewer of the photograph sees everything happening in the picture and not the focal point when all you need to do is drop a white background in there or light gray, something like that to make your piece pop. And it changes everything. That's why you see products shot on black and white backdrops a ton because it creates that natural focal point of it being um, your piece of furniture or cutting board or whatever it might be. It's also like, I think you even have one, Brad, is a, is a shot box where you used to, you had that like pop-up tent, right? And it was white and you would shoot some stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, I've done that route. Um, I, I've tried a bunch of different things, but that is, that's something I struggled with at the beginning and I didn't, um, I didn't really pay attention to it is that, uh, and one thing as I was, I've taken some photography classes online and read some books and different things is, um, you know, one thing they would always say is watch your corners. And so, and this is old school, you know, this is back when I was shooting on film too, uh, is because it's not as easy, uh, and it, you know, you couldn't just shoot a million shots. So when you go in and you're looking through your viewfinder, or if you're looking through your cell phone in this case it is, uh, look at your focal point, but also, uh, I think people get focused on that is that they just look at the coffee table and they're just like so focused that what they don't notice is there's like a huge dog chew toy in the left, you know, and like yeah. a piece of dirty laundry over on the, on the sofa. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> that's all that actually my favorite, uh, my favorite examples of those are like, have you seen any of those, uh, the online where it's like uh, Craigslist ads Yeah, and like people are like taking pictures of their mirrors or like coffee pots and there's like a naked dude taking yeah. a picture of a coffee pot. Yeah. And you're <laughs> like, like, oh, bro, come on, bro. Yeah. So be aware, <laughs> be aware of the surroundings. Like don't just focus in on the product. Know what's in there. And if you've got too much clutter, uh, you know, drop a backdrop. If you can't drop a backdrop, clean the stuff out. So that's something like make sure everything is clear and find something. Actually, what I did when I was shooting uh, cutting boards, I made a backdrop and you know, rustic was really in back then. And so I just got pallet wood and I just basically reassembled the pallet into slats onto a couple two by fours behind it and just nailed it or screwed them in. And then that was my backdrop was just a nice rustic pallet wood backdrop. And then I would drop a piece of foam board underneath. And so I'd have a white bottom where the, the cutting board would sit and then it'd be on a background of a piece of pallet wood or, or several you know layers of it. So it looked like a, a pallet wood wall, basically. Um, you can make like that. That's the cool thing about it is like you can make a little vignette, if you will, like you, if you're shooting, especially if you're shooting smaller stuff, once you get into furniture, you're talking a whole another thing. And and we kind of skipped over it a little bit. But um, back into lighting, if you do have a table, like taking a table outside into a field or something like that, like I've seen some really great ones, uh, like something about a farmhouse table sitting in front of a field of corn is just an amazing shot. I mean, that's just yeah. an awesome shot. And if you are uh, taking shots outside, uh, there's this thing called the golden hour. And it is basically uh, when the sun is rising and when the sun is setting, it's before the sun has actually crested and you get all this ambient light, but you don't get the direct sunlight. So you don't want to shoot in direct sunlight. Just like John said, you don't want to shine a contractor light straight at through your detail. Um, you want diffused light. So cloudy days are great to shoot in. Uh, or that golden hour when the sun is rising, but it's not, you know, you're not getting direct sunlight. So if you are going to take your products outside, that also makes great backdrops. So, um, you know, look around, find some cool spots. If you have parks, if you have local parks, those are always great places where you can see uh, where you could take something, you know, just <laughs> make sure you got a, a buddy or two if you've got a, 
big farmhouse table. If you've got side tables, you've got cutting boards, like those things are really easy to shoot outside uh, and, and get some really cool shots from them. Yes. So um, using all that stuff to your advantage, like we're, we still haven't even progressed past the cell phone, right? Like all of this is completely doable with all that right on your phone. Exactly. So Brad touched on watching your corners um, and cleaning up the background and and a few backdrops. Um, I think one thing that I, that really helped me get better at photography was the whole concept of shooting from the waist. Um, A lot of us have a tendency to stand over top of whatever we're shooting. And that's like one of the easiest angles to take. Um, but really, if you bring that camera down to waist level or at somewhere at, at where you're going to um, see more of the, 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 the item you're shooting on a, like, a, 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 I guess a, a lower, um, a lower plane, plane? right? So it's yeah. Not, it, yeah. It's not, the, it's not like where you would normally view it from your eye level, but it's like, if you go look at, go look at Pottery Barn, Restoration Hardware, look at any of these sites that shoot uh, furniture, and it's always because what happens is like when you view it from the eye level, the top takes over. Right. Yep. And it's like the top is so big when you get down lower, that top kind of goes down. So, you, you know, the top's not the focus of it. It's the whole piece. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm completely with you there. Yeah. So I'll drop down and just shoot detail shots and from like uh, where my waistline is or down towards more of like, if, say, if at a, at a uh, dining table at like a 30 inch height, like I'm shooting right there or right above it in order to get more of like the graining patterns or more of the, the edge details and whatever it might be. And just using these things to your advantage, man, can you create some dynamic shots um, that have, and then you start make, messing with lighting and you can really, really start to eccentricate the, uh, the more visual aspects of whatever you're building. And all you're doing is just dropping your camera down to, your waist and it's not up at your eyes or in front of your face. So little things like that, you can definitely start to add more elements to your product portfolio specifically as you have an overhead shot and then a waist shot of a corner and then a waist shot of the front angle, then a waist shot of the other, the full side. And now you have four detail shots of the same piece um, and then drop down and do the same with the base and boom, now you have 10 shots of a piece of furniture all done on your phone, starts changing up the lighting and that 10 turns into 30 and 40 and 50. And now you can see how one piece of furniture, you can get a vast array of, of beauty shots done with it. Um, and all you're changing is the, the shooting angle and a little bit of your lighting. So those are two great ways um, that I was able to add. And then Brad actually taught me the rule of thirds um, down, I mean, I'm going to say about a year and a half ago, um, which really, really helped me as well. Yeah, so the the idea of the rule of thirds and and just hitting on the angles real fast. Uh, I, you know, one thing I like about the the cell phone is that it's you know live preview. So one thing that I will do sometimes is just kind of hold it up around my chest level and then just slowly drop it while I'm watching, and then you can just see the angle change. And then you know you'll when you see that you're like, oh yeah. And then like as you get towards your waist, it starts looking a lot more pleasing, a lot. And hey, look, man, they, like these phones have. Uh, lots of storage in them these days and you got, you know, iCloud and all that good stuff. So man, take more, like take more than you think you need. So, uh, I, what I've done before on the, on the tripod as well is I'll, I'll take a picture, like raise the tripod, like three inches, do, an, do another set of them, raise it again. And then, so I have multiple angles that I can choose from, um, or multiple heights from the same angle. Then I'll do the whole thing again. Um, and, and before I hit the rule of thirds also as a point, um, remember also to shoot portrait. Don't always shoot landscape. So turn that camera, shoot some portrait stuff, especially if you uh, have tall items, you know, if, if you have something like a dresser or if you're trying to get a detail on a leg of a table, that vertical can really isolate in, 
you know, and show the full height of the of the legs uh, like that. The one that you did, John, the, the curved rustic table, dude, like that was uh, beautiful. And like a, a portrait of just those curved legs on that uh, reclaimed oak was is just amazing. Um, but the rule of thirds is basically um, I think your natural tendency is just to center everything right right in the middle. Right. That's just what it is. Like you think, oh, there's there's the subject. I should put that right in the middle. Uh, actually that's not the best. If you think of, if you think of a, um, the camera screen or where, however you're taking it, and most people are probably going to be shooting in uh, four to three is if you break that up into thirds, uh, across left to right, as well as top to bottom, then you kind of have a tic-tac-toe grid, if you will. And what you want to do is, uh, is center the subjects on those lines of the tic-tac-toe grid. All right. So if you had if I had something, you know, and it, it just adds more interest. So having the subject uh, there in one of those thirds, whether it's the lower third, the upper third, the right third or the left third, uh, just, you know, experiment with that. And what you'll find is that it just it just gives it a more custom look and it just makes it look like when you have something centered, there's just there's no interest there. I mean, portraits obviously are, are a lot of times are centered. But even if you if you go in and just start looking at that, start thinking about as you look at uh, photographs, even on Instagram, uh, you know, look at them and say and think about where the subject is and how it makes you perceive it. And as you see professional photographs, you'll see a lot of time uh, that, you know, they'll be in those thirds and it just gives you more of the um, more of the setting. You know, it just gives it more of like it's, it's more of a story. It's, it's more of a vignette versus just that specific thing, you know, blown up and completely filling out the frame. It's like, oh, that's a cutting board in a kitchen being you and there's the coffee cup over here and there's the paper and there's the, you know, the whatever, you know, the, the table behind it. Like you, you, it starts to tell more of a story when you start using that rule of thirds. Yeah. And I think what you can do is you can, you can actually intently put the viewer's eye on something specific. So I'll even shoot on like white backdrops and only have my product in a third or two thirds of the photo. Like instead of, like you said, the whole thing, um, and what that does is say I have a corner detail I want to focus on or something like that. I'm able to put that in the center, but there's it's essentially blank white on the right. And then the left or is going to be a continuation of that piece of furniture or whatever it might be. But because it's broken into thirds now, I'm not shooting a weird angle or I'm not just trying to focus the whole table in uh, to a, to this massively wide shot. I'm able to kind of create, like you said, a dynamic and then create some visual interest on the other sides of it. What happens to work really well is when you're a content creator like us and you're shooting for thumbnails or you're shooting for flyers or whatever. If you shoot in thirds, then you have space that's negative or, or dead in the rest of the photograph that you're able to do text overlay that you're able to add um, other aspects to the photograph with it. Um, and it just gives you more options there. So in both senses, I think shooting in thirds is definitely a great option. And and then as you continue to do these things, you're going to get better at them. Um, and you're going to see what you like, what you don't like. And what I would also advise is poking around the internet. Go see what kind of photographs that you dig. And then you'll start to see little details of it. Like, oh, the bokeh's on this one's fantastic. Or like, I love the setting in this. The lighting must be overhead and to the right because all the shadows are in the bottom left. And, you know, the the it's shot in the left third of the screen. Like Brad happens to like things on the right third of the screen. And John likes things on the left third of the screen. Like you'll notice those things in the way people shoot. 
Um, and then you can start to hone those into your own brand. And all of this is still doable on a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think what you you hit on something there too, John, is, is uh, the same thing we talk about making content for the platform is you need to shoot photos for the platform too. Mm-hmm. So think about where it's going. So thumbnail is a perfect example of that. Whenever I'm shooting for a thumbnail, I make sure I have plenty of space to the left and right uh, as much as I can because um, thumbnails are 16 by nine, right? If I'm shooting for Instagram, I'm shooting square. And so that's a completely different thing. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Make sure if you're shooting for Pinterest, you obviously want to be shooting in portrait versus landscape. So think about uh, where this photo is going to end up. And typically, so like for John and I, uh, we're going to be everywhere. And so we have to shoot a variety of different angles yep. and setups. So we're shooting portrait, we're shooting wide, we're shooting tight, we're shooting centered, we're shooting off center thirds, the whole nine yards. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's probably, and actually um, uh, one of my buddies, uh, Jen Woodhouse, she does a, I still have never gotten there. She does a shot sheet, which hmm. I is brilliant. Like she will literally set up. So it's like a storyboard for a video. She will write out um, all the different shots she wants and even the lenses. So she'll say, you know, 35 millimeter uh, portrait, you know, tight shot, 30, you know, whatever. She'll go all through and literally lay out and pre-plan what she wants to do. And I think that's a great way because I can't tell you how many times I've gotten to the end of a blog post or a video or whatever and gone to grab my picture for Pinterest and be like, oh, I totally forgot to shoot in portrait for mm-hmm. this. <laughs> do it all the time. Do it all the yeah. time. And I mean, I think another aspect of shooting for uh, for content production and for for product production is going to be that organizational aspect. Like you, you need to realize that this is a facet of your business and that it should be taken seriously. And is for a long time, I know I was just like, Oh, and I got to take photos or it was like that little bit of addition, that like extra thing. Now, when I'm like packing my, if I'm doing an installation or a delivery and I'm packing my list to what I'm taking on the site, the camera gear is all going on there too. And I have specific gear now for specific places. So like you know, that needs to become a part of your mindset if you're going to be using photography and you should be using photography um, as part of your business. Um, so, yeah, man, like I, I think that that is absolutely brilliant. And shout out to Jen for for coming up with such a easy way to fix all those issues, because you and I have done it a bunch of times. I'll send, I'll send and Brad I an I idea do <laughs> and he'll be like, can you get this at a better angle? But I mean, if I was able to just do what you said, like angle one, two, three, four, and five, and say, start there, and then shoot it with my 17 to 40, and then my 50 millimeter. And then um, then I'm adjusting each angle on four different points on my tripod. Like That just simplified all of my shooting down to 40 shots over 240 and only keeping 10. Like, right. and, Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's planning, right? I mean, we talk about it so much, but I think that this is one area where so many of us, and you can hear it as John and I talk, I mean, I, I still don't do that. I know I should. Uh, but I, I don't, I haven't taken the time to do that. And partly because it's easier for me because almost everything I do is in my house or in my shop. So it's very easy for me to get, uh, another shot if I need it. And I'm like, Oh, I forgot to take that. Then I'll just go grab it. Um, but even with me, uh, like the, um, the, um, folding laundry rack I did that's in my laundry room, but I had to use natural light and, so like trying to recreate the same thing and get the same shot, man, is a huge pain. Um, and especially as it's staged and it's like, oh, wait, did I have it? So then you've got something on, uh, you know, one thing that's different on the other and you can't recreate it. Now it looks like a kind of a different product. It, so getting it all done the first time, uh, huge benefits to that. For sure. So 
Um, moving into like the next segment of your photos. So we talked a little bit about planning. We talked a little bit about composition and, and we talked a little bit about mindset and like how you want to approach your shooting. The next part is going to be post, like after you have those photographs and there's great options out there, um, for editing after you've shot, um, specifically for cell phones. So we'll stick there for now. Um, because that's where we want you guys to understand that you are capable of producing some extremely high quality imagery native straight on the phone. So with that, um, I'm going to go with this app that you guys might have heard of uh, called Instagram. And it's crazy, <laughs> but Instagram has some unbelievable photo editing tools on it. Um, and those are all native to the platform. Now, what was what's what's funny is I believe back in the day, you couldn't put an Instagram edit on a photo unless you were posting it or you would just screenshot it. Right. Um, right. And now I think now I think you can save the photo before you post it in order if you wanted to do something else to it. But like what that does is opens up all of the use of every Instagram filter, all of the lighting and exposure fixtures and all of the options that are available in it um, if you're using a secondary app. And this is really cool because now you can kind of create a lot of the feeling that Brad and I were talking about earlier with lighting. Um, you could kind of fake it um, with a filter. My advice is going to be if you use a filter to use that filter all the time, don't change it up. Um, and, and if you do, you know, want to pick one or two, like those are your staple brand identifying types of looks and filters. Um, my my uh, editing software is happens to be on a computer, but I use the same type of LUT and the same type of, um, you know, the adjustments on every one of my photographs. That way, everything kind of looks the same. So that would be my advice there. What's really cool is that I know on the um, ISO and, and on the iPhones, man, have they really stepped the game up when it comes to in photo editing on um, just your your photos uh, tab on your phone. You can go in there, you can adjust lighting, you can adjust saturation, you can adjust colors, you can make things black and white, you can add filters, and they're always constantly updating them. I mean, there's tons and tons of options to produce better quality images right on your phone. So the excuse that I don't have this or I don't have that is kind of phasing out just solely because the phones are so good now. Um, you can do everything from crop right on the phone to, like I said, I'm, I'm pulling up my phone now and you have uh, lighting, there's brilliance, exposure, highlights, shadows, brightness, contrast, and black point all in, all in photo on an iPhone. Then you can move yeah. into color, you can hit the spectrum, saturation, contrast, and your cast as well. And then there's also a black and white option where you can increase intensities, the neutrals, the tones, the graining. And there's this is without even touching the filters and the cropping options as well as the markup and drawing options too. So um, like I said, there's a ton of ways to produce some really high quality imagery right on your phone. Um, so there's really no excuse anymore to not be taking photos of your stuff. Yeah, and the same type of thing on on Android. And I think uh, you know what a lot of them will have also. So uh, when we talk about bokeh and depth of field, is uh, if you have a portrait mode, that's what you'll want to use. And so portrait would be a shallow depth of field uh, and give you that focused foreground and blurry background. Um, but you you know you need to have some separation there so it can can do that. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you, John. The other one that I think a lot of people use, and it is extremely powerful, is VSCO. And uh, that is an editing app, and that's across the platforms. So you can check that out, do that right on your camera. Uh, and it makes it, I mean, it's almost overwhelming, honestly. I, I used it uh, back in the day, and 
you know, just go in there and tinker around with it. It, it does have filters and settings as well. Um, and what I will say, because I have seen this, so what I will say is um, less is more. Don't over filter and over edit your photos because you'll be able to tell. And I, I see it a lot in the woodworking space when people are trying to show off grain and stuff like that. Uh, and I've seen it on a few accounts where like they have a similar backdrop and then I can tell which ones are edited because like one, the backdrop will be like super like, you know, contrasty and blown out because they were trying to like accentuate the grain mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't really there. And so, you know, just be careful with that. Like I said, I think less is more and try to do it through natural lighting as much as you can. Or when I say natural, but just as the picture's taken, uh, you can have, you know, just your store-bought lights and everything. But the more you can do that, the better uh, before editing so that when you edit, uh, like I said, you know, John, you use those the the filters and LUTs and the LUT is just a, a lookup table. It's just a basically a preset and uh, you can do those. Uh, there's also some free editing tools online. So we'll, we'll talk about, uh, you know, one premium editing tool, which is entry level. But um, there's one. I know a lot of people use it and I used it. I used to use it to do all my Pinterest stuff, but people use to edit photos it is called a pick monkey. And it's you can like upload the photos and you can like add text overlay and stuff. But it's also got uh, an editing suite in there where you can do some, um, you know, fairly advanced stuff in there uh, that to make the pictures look a little bit better. And a lot of these programs also just have like an auto button, right? You hit the auto button and it does it for you. And then maybe you auto and then maybe you tweak from there. Um, But there is a great product, which John and I both use uh, that is an Adobe product that we would highly recommend that is, you know, that has an entry level to it. Yeah. And that's a Lightroom, right? And and I, I forget what they call the package now, but you actually get Lightroom and Photoshop. Oh, Okay. It's the photography package. Nice. Yeah. So, so they actually have the Adobe. So John and I both use the full suite, uh, the Adobe CC suite, which they've just raised the prices. I think it's $52 a month. Um, but if you just want Lightroom and Photoshop, it's 10 bucks a month. And that is a steal because Lightroom is amazing. Yeah. And it's totally worth it. So I guess, so the concept of Lightroom, and I'm not a photography expert, like Brad's actually way more trained in photography than I am, but the concept of Lightroom is to mimic like those Lightrooms that you uh, edit in or used to see like back in the day and like in in photographs when people were actually using film. Um, And what you're able to do is, is you can, there's so much, so much you can edit and, and you can mess around with and whatnot. And um, basically like you can change the, the tones you can use, <clears throat> excuse me, you could change your saturation. And what happens to a lot of us is either your photographs too dark or your photograph is blown out, um, and blown out being that it's too bright. So all you can just uh, move a couple little bars and then boom, your photograph is 10 times better just because, uh, you made it look a little bit brighter or you made it look a little bit darker um, than what it was. And, and Lightroom is a great option for that. The way I use it is I have a bunch of presets that I'll go and I'll drop onto a photo until it looks kind of the way that I want it to. And from there, I'll adjust the preset to kind of like what features I'm looking for. And after years of editing photographs, I've been able to kind of hone in on like what I like to mess with and what I don't like to mess with. Um, and this stuff is all all easily learnable and accessible on YouTube and, and online. There's some really really, really great professional teachers out there. Um, that'll just walk you through like, you know, how to basically edit a photo on Lightroom from start to finish, um, and then export it for whatever your usage might be. 
What's really cool though, is that if you find a custom look on a set of photographs, so like if I shoot a dining table, for instance, and I dig the way it looks in the first photo I edit, I can copy that and then put yeah. it on every single photo I'm editing. Yeah. Batch processing is, is huge as well as export. You can batch export and uh, there's, there's just so many great features. Uh, you can also export. So if you have like a huge photo, you can export. There's lots of different ways to uh, add watermarks to downsize. So, uh, I have a setting, I have all kinds of different settings. So I'll have the same photo and then I'll export it for web. When I'm exporting for web, I want the photo to be under a hundred kilobytes because I'm putting a ton of photos on my, on my web page and I want it to be able to load fast. If I'm exporting for Instagram, I don't really care because you know, it loads really fast and I don't know how they downsize it, but I'll, but I'll, you know, I'll do it to 1080 by 1080. Uh, obviously that's going to be square. Whereas for the web, I might be 640 by 427. Uh, pixels and and just different things. So you can do a lot of adjustments. Like I said, you can do the watermark. If you're into that, you can batch process and do watermarks. I do watermark on my blog. That's about the only place I, I do it. Um, but Lightroom and also just the organization because it has a whole portfolio and organization. So uh, if you want to keep all your photos organized, you know, trying to do that on your cell phone is such a pain. So downloading them to your computer and having those different folders all in line and you can access them and it makes it, it just makes it really nice and easy. And again, the auto tuning function there is really nice. One other thing that, that Photoshop and Lightroom. So what Lightroom is actually um, almost the same exact thing as Photoshop, uh, except geared towards photography and they've just made it a lot easier. So basically everything you can do in Lightroom, I think almost exclusively you can do in Photoshop there might be a couple new features that you can't do in Photoshop, but they just made it a lot easier. Like if you try to do the same stuff in Photoshop, it's a lot harder. Um, but one feature that I use a lot in Lightroom is the, and I showed you, John, recently we were, we were doing it, is the, um, the cloning and the healing. And so that's like if you had that, if you have like we we're talking about the, the earlier photo and you've got like, a, you know, a, a wrapper or a dog toy sitting in the middle of the carpet, there's a little function in there that you can just highlight it. And it will basically look in the surroundings and especially like on a carpet, it's so easy to hide because the carpet is so dynamic and uh, there's just so much detail and feature in there that if you overlay that, um, you know, versus just like a blank slate, solid color, it's harder to hide things um, or if you have lines or whatever. But anyway, you can go in and you can basically erase things out of the background, and replace it with, uh, you know, pixels that are surrounding that look similar and it'll say, OK, yeah, boom, you just click on it the dog toy's gone and it just looked like it's carpet and you could absolutely never tell. Yeah. And tools like this are awesome for anybody that's shooting product um, on site. Like for me, if I go to a client's, I can't change that location of the outlet on the wall. Like I can't fix the, you know, their, their shades or whatever it might be, but I can go in into a piece of software after and mess around with things to get them closer to what I would like. Um, so you can't beat Lightroom and Photoshop for that. Yeah. Um, you know, we're big fans of the whole Adobe suite. Um, and we'll be talking a lot more into that in our like advanced next episode where we really jump into stepping your game up there. Um, yeah, that, that's a great example, though, John, eliminating the outlets. I do that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> like, so because you'd be so like outlet. It's like it's just, you know, it's just something to take your eye away. Yep. And so you just boom, you just erase it like you literally just highlight the outlet. And it's gone. Yes. Uh, and, you know, there's some adjustments. You need some clean space around it and all that good stuff. But it's it's very easy to do. Yeah. And so those 
those little aspects, they're lifesavers when it comes to photo editing, and they're not that hard to learn. Um, so we'll definitely be diving more into that in the next episode as we as we talk about more like stepping up your photography and the next level type, type of things. Um, a few items before we get to that next episode is going to be, you know, things you want to be focusing on are trying to get out of using automatic features on whatever you're shooting on. Um, on the cell phone, a lot of these things are set, but like Brad said, there's, there's apps out there and there's photography specific apps that you can shoot in where you're able to adjust things like your white balance and your ISO and your F-stop and all kinds of different features that go into understanding what makes a photograph look the way it does. Um, so you know, while you're trying to get better, you want to make sure that you're not just getting better with editing things or with composition, that you're understanding the tool you're using. And this is one thing that has been a big learning curve for myself. So stepping from the phone to the DSLR, there's just so many different buttons and options and what's going into it. And not until like oh, the last year have I taken the time to sit down and learn what each one of these specific things are and what they can be applied to. So when you're getting into that next level, like this is why you're getting into it. You want more control under what's happening uh, over what's happening, excuse me, in your photographs themselves. You just want to be able to adjust things more um, specifically on your camera while you're shooting. So if you're shooting in a dark room, you can adjust it to make it look like it's not dark because that camera is more powerful than the human eye. It can pull a lot more light into that lens. Um, and you could be essentially in a, in a room that's extremely underlit and make it look like it's nice and bright just by, you know, messing with the ISO, the F-stop, you know, your white balance and all kinds of different options. So that's what you're looking at when you're stepping into the DSLR realm is a lot more variability and customization of the the shot before you take it. Yeah. And, and so yeah, that's a great point, John, because if you if you have a DSLR, um, everything we just said applies especially if you're using it in auto mode, right? If you're, if you're in the, the green circle, the green square with the a in the middle, right? I'm in auto mode and you've been shooting. Uh, then you, uh, most of the stuff that we just talked about, that's all going to apply because if you're not, if you're leaving it up to the camera, cameras are good, right? They can do a pretty good job, but you're at the mercy of it. And, uh, the worst aspect of that is that Every time you push that button halfway down, so, you know, most DSLRs, you push halfway down to focus, it is gathering all the information and then it's making those adjustments on the fly. And so if you take an, a shot from one angle, you move around to the other angle and now the light is is coming more into the barrel of the lens. The camera goes, oh, I'm getting more light. And so it's going to change settings and that will change the look. It could especially white balance. That's one that I you know, locking my white balance was a huge thing because if you don't lock your white balance and we're, we're going to get into this, but this is just as an example, if you don't lock your white balance, then what's going to happen is that as you go through your pictures and you're trying to edit them, you're like, Oh, well, this one, why is this one so much more yellow than the other one? Mm -hmm. And then you can, you can no longer apply those same filters because now you've got a filter for this and for that. So just locking white balance is a huge huge benefit in post-production to get consistent looks of your pictures. Yeah. And these features are things that we'll be talking about a lot more in the next episode. Um, because we did, when we were planning this, we did see the value in like the basics and shooting on your phone. And, you know, there's a lot of great content creators and product producers out there that take most of their content on their cell phones and they crush it. Um, but when you want to take that next step, it's a whole nother monster. And that's kind of why we decided to separate these episodes. So, 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's pretty much, I think, a wrap for, uh, you know, talking about the basics of photography and, 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 and really getting into like understanding um, how you can shoot better on your cell phone specifically or in any context, if you have a cheap DSLR or, or some t- type of point and shoot or whatever that might be. So make sure you're considering, you know, your lighting, make sure you're uh, keeping a nice stable shot and you're thinking about your composition. And when you get wrapped up with all of that stuff and you get some more experience, that's when you're going to jump into some photo editing software. And that's really going to take your stuff to the next level. And then, you know, once you're comfortable there, that's that's when I really feel like you want to jump into the DSLR world and really, really step up that next level after that. Absolutely. And I think the number one way to learn is just doing it. Just shoot, 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 shoot. And as much as you can uh, take different pictures and try new things, then you'll understand what you like and you'll you'll learn along the way. And uh, tons of great stuff out there online as well. And so looking forward to the next one as we get into a little more detail and and talk about uh, gear as well. And I don't know, we might we might end up splitting it up into two and have an advanced and then a gear one. But we'll, we'll see how it goes on the next episode. But um, I think this is a good foundation. And yeah, let us know. Let us know what you're shooting with and what you've had success with. We'd love to hear it from you guys as well. So uh, in the Instagram posts uh, or in the Facebook group. Yep. So speaking of the Facebook group. And speaking of uh, our patrons, we have uh, two Facebook groups. So if you're not part of that, you can go uh, check out. We are at uh, Made for Profit Tribe on Facebook. That is our general group. And we also have Made for Profit Patrons, which is our patron-only group. And um, we talk about all kinds of great questions and things. And photography and video is is one that comes up a lot in those groups. Um, But right now, we're going to head over to the after show. We've had some new hot-burning news with Instagram shutting down the API and what the heck is an API? But we're going to go talk about that with our our patrons. So uh, if you do want to join over on the patron squad, you can hit patreon.com forward slash made for profit. John, let's go hit the after show, brother. Let's crush it. So thank you guys for checking out the show. If you'd like any more information, you can head over to madeforprofit.com. We'll have our show notes as well as our email list subscription you can sign up for. There you'll receive tips of the week as well as all of our other actionable content. If you're digging the show, we'd love to get a five-star review over on iTunes, and we would greatly appreciate that. If you have any other questions or suggestions, you can email us at madeforprofitpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love any of your input as well as any of your future show topic suggestions. You can hit us up on Instagram at madeforprofit, where we will be answering your questions and giving out tips to help you grow on your own social networks. So once again, we really want to thank you guys for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode.